0: Hello, it is Wednesday, January 31st, 2018. I'm Sal Biazzi, editor-in-chief at SaloftheEarth.com, the smallest blog you've never heard of. And I'm here to talk to you about the news. Welcome to the Sal of the Earth podcast. So, luckily... We can start this week with something positive to talk about, and that would be the State of the Union Address. Anyone who supports President Trump will have tuned in and witnessed what was an excellent State of the Union. Uh, It was an event that was filled with American patriotism and pride. There was a lot of goodwill being shared by the President towards uh, many other people, which is something we don't often see. He's always portrayed as this uh, miser who criticizes everyone, but last night he offered a lot of praise on many people. Um, There was this idea that this was the best speech that Trump has ever given, or this was the best inauguration speech of all time, and I don't don't necessarily think those are the case. I liked it a lot. I I love the State of the Union. I think it's an important speech, and... I think Trump delivered something that was very important, and he convincingly made an argument for supporting Trumpism and supporting capitalism and supporting America, and he presented a vision of America through proposals of policy and substantive uh, legislation that I think convinces any of the casual follower that tuned in last night. And I think that's where Trump is going to ultimately find the most of his success and probably define his presidency is in his ability to circumvent the news media and present a real image of himself to the average Joe who's not paying attention to politics 24-7. CNN and MSNBC, Fox News too, but I mean, for our purposes here, we're going to talk about those two because Trump doesn't get the same criticism from Fox News. But but CNN and MSNBC think them they're way more important than they really are, and same goes for the newspapers, the New York Times and the Washington Post. Their reach has limits, and when an event like the State of the Union comes around, and they spend all year. Discussing the ineptitude at which Donald Trump presents himself all the time to the point where they say he can't even read to the point where they say he is completely uh, stuck as a buffoon and hobbles around the White House and fails at everything and everyone hates him and all of those things. (laughs) They all of a sudden witness Donald Trump get on stage for what is the biggest political moment in American life annually, most likely, and deliver... What is a reasoned, restrained, deliberate, eloquent, beautiful speech. And even if you, no matter what side of the aisle you fall on, it was a speech that presented an America you want to see carried out and fulfilled. Who doesn't want to see brand new roads and bridges and airports? Who doesn't want to see a revitalized prison population? Uh, oh my God, not a revitalized prison population. Who doesn't want to see a revitalized prison system? <laughs> and, and and a work program for convicts looking for a second chance. Or ex-convicts, I guess. My point being, Donald Trump cornered the Democrats on many policy positions. It showed in the poll numbers at the end of the night, because 97% of Republicans were enthralled with the speech. 43% of Democrats liked the speech. And... Most independents like the speech, which ultimately means Donald Trump was liked in the eyes of the people. Because most people who don't follow politics day in, day out, who aren't daily watchers of CNN and MSNBC, who don't read the New York Times and Washington Post religiously, see Donald Trump the one time he's going to be in front of people and giving an important address, and they're comforted. Because they don't see the president that's depicted in the media. They don't see the president that gets reported on. They see a president who... Reminds them of what America could be and inspires them to attain the American dream and tells them that the American dream is possible still, unlike what we had heard in the past. So I I think that's pretty much why uh, it was so well received. And then it was just loaded with great shout outs to amazing people and inspirational people and and and. highlighted he used his eloquent and well-refined uh showmanship ability to tell a real story with his state of the union speech and weave it around, you know, real life characters and and and
1: <clears throat>
0: present the american people with examples to put faces to the policy proposals he was trying to make and he kind of cornered the democrats He's re- he really put them in a bad position and you could tell that the Democrats are in a bad position, not just by their awful body language, they were atrocious last night. The, the ones that showed up to watch the speech were sullen, they looked annoyed, some stormed out early, many scowled the whole time, very few clapped at all. And that juxtaposition toward next to the America Trump is proposing is gonna go a long way and i don't know i know that democrats know that i know that chuck schumer is much has more political savvy than i do he has more political savvy than anyone who's going to listen to this does he's been in politics his entire life he knows that appearances are important and the appearance for the democrats yesterday was terrible But I think when you look at the poll numbers that came in after the State of the Union, it's very apparent why the Democrats looked the way they looked. And you don't have to bring into account the memo. You don't have to bring into account the accusations that GOP is leveling against the FBI and the DOJ. The only thing you have to account for is the simple fact that Trump is winning independence. And that's going to decide the election. You can say what you want and believe what you want about what the popular vote showed in 2016. And I think that eventually in time we're all going to recognize the kind of impact the Clintons had on vote totals. And now that they're being shunned out of politics and Trump has kind of solidified the position of electoral fraud being a possibility... That we're going to be surprised come 2020 what the voter turnout is and what the totals are and i think it'll start in 2018 i think we're going to be surprised there too i i i honestly believe that the reason why donald why the democrats were upset last night stems mainly because they they've lost control of everything they've lost control of their party they've lost control of the white house they've lost control of the senate and congress they've lost control of, of the supreme court they're losing control of everything and we knew this on election day that they had lost. That was the point, right? They lost. They lost the election. And this past year has been one big fog where the Democrats have continued on as if they never left, as if they weren't ushered out, as if the establishment that was completely rejected had control. And I think the perception kind of manifested itself in the minds of many people who follow along and the supporters on both sides and the drama of day to day. But yesterday was a stark reminder to Democrats that they lost and they have no power and they're not going to have power for a while because Trump gave a great speech and he cornered them on their own policy positions. He proposed a prison pop, a prison reform platform that everyone in black lives matter and anyone uh, on the Democratic side, should be ecstatic about. Sure, maybe it doesn't go far enough, maybe they want to make compromise with that bill, but that's when you have to go and negotiate, and you should be thankful the President put that policy on the table, at the State of the Union, I don't know how many people were expecting that. And his infrastructure bill is incredible. It goes further than anything Bernie Sanders proposed in the primary, and it encompasses private private funding plans. And he wants to reduce this the process for which applications are approved. Which would go even further, probably, than the money invested in the infrastructure themselves if we were allowed to build bridges within the same decade they were thought up. So that's why Democrats were so sour. And, and I mean, can you blame them? They're in a bad spot. And the voters, Democrats out there, they see on the internet talking trash, better wake up to that fact soon, or 2018 is going to slap them upside the head just like 2016 did, just like we said it would before... The election in 2016. We're always right on this side of things. We're always right. We're not always right. But I think in this instance we are going to be eventually proven right. We're going to see in the 2018 election. um, But that's not even the point. Is whether or not we're going to be right. Or whether or not we were right about Hillary getting smacked by Donald Trump. Uh, or whether or not the vote totals are end up eventually going to be confirmed or or maybe adjusted we're going to find all these things out but what is true or what it, what is also awful on top of what the democrats body language looked like is the speech that joe kennedy gave <laughs> after trump's state of the union address and uh, we got to be honest about what responses to the state of the union are um it's really a terrible circumstance to have to give a speech after the president's commanded the eyes of the nation and you're tasked with (laughs) sticking it to him tell him no we don't like your ideas um so joe kennedy in that sense had a really tough job it's always a tough job it's usually terrible it's been terrible for the last uh, and as many years you could really remember it's very rarely that there's going to be a rebuttal speech where you walk away like i like that much better in the state of the union unless you're a democrat or in certain cases when the democrats are president or republican um this is kind of how you, i guess you're going to view it but if you're not like that and you're just looking to see what what the democrats might have to offer what the policy agenda is for them then i think you were disappointed in what joe kennedy laid out because again it it doesn't All it seems like is that the Democrats really don't stand for anything. They don't have a real message. They have certain things they would like to see. They would like to see the Dreamers get help. And they would like to see gun control happen at some point. But they have no real plan. They have no legislative plan as to what they want to do. Trump laid out real things that he wanted to see Congress tackle. And Joe Kennedy, who, by the way, I saw a really funny tweet. Not really funny, but I saw a tweet. And I don't know who, I don't know who tweeted it. So I apologize if this is your tweet, and you listen to this and you're like, "That was my tweet." Um, but I saw a tweet that said uh, the Democrats were looking to do something different, so they rolled out a uh, Democrat named Kennedy. And it's so true. All the politicians in the world, the Democrats could choose from, and they go back to a Kennedy after relying on a Clinton after. Having the presidency after a Bush, and it's and it's amazing to me that we're still we still have these di- political dynasties going on in America, and it's it's the opposite of what we need. And I like I'm a Kennedy fan. Like let's go Kennedys, all of you. I, Bobby Kennedy is probably one of my biggest political influences. Uh, I, I think the Kennedys are one of America's greatest gifts to the world. Probably I, I can't say enough good things. I don't think that Kennedy's great nephew. The JFK's great nephew is necessarily the Democrat they should be relying on to help win back people like me who left them when they decided to undercut and and, and really handicap their best candidate in Bernie Sanders. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to tell them about that. But then Joe Kennedy gives this speech that for th- however many minutes it was 30 minutes, 32 minutes, something like that was the most morbid speech it felt like to me. The entire speech was dedicated to mass shootings, and the concept of mass shootings, and how they are a bad thing, and it didn't really address much of what Trump said at all, really. It didn't take on Trump's suggestions or proposals, it just kind of painted this picture of Trump again, that when you juxtapose next to what Trump actually just did just before you were speaking, Joe Kennedy, it makes you look like a big fat liar, because the The world that most Americans are living in right now under Trump, where the stock market is soaring and businesses are perking up and jobs are being created and people have a lot of confidence right now. Your reality of America seems like the distorted one. Not Donald Trump's. And I think that's what Democrats were afraid of. And I think, again, that's why their body language is so poor. And I'm not even going to make fun of Joe Kennedy because he had some chapstick on, and it's very cold in Massachusetts, and that happens. And yeah, it looks silly, but what are you going to do? Politics is hard. I'd rather them look authentic than be all makeuped up like, like morons. I will just say this. It's, it's unfortunate that no one noticed and had the idea that that would look funny the next day. And I think those are all my thoughts on the State of the Union, so we can move on. Get back to the memo. The first two weeks of this podcast, we've spoken about the memo in great detail. Uh, and now the House has voted to release it um, to the American people. The House Intelligence Committee has voted to release it to the American people. So we're in an interesting spot. The memo goes to the White House. The White House has the memo. This morning, John Kelly came out and said that the memo would be released quickly. Uh, The FBI supposedly saw it on Sunday, and then five officials also saw it yesterday with John Kelly, but today the FBI has come out and and rejected the notion that the memo is written in, I guess, good faith, because they're kind of calling it into question, Um, and ultimately where we stand is that Nunes came out and issued two pretty forceful statements back at the Justice Department and back at... um, Uh, the FBI, and that's kind of where we stand. We're waiting to see if the White House will release it. My initial reaction was that perhaps Donald Trump wouldn't release the memo. Perhaps he would allow it to kind of be rejected and then have Nunez force a vote with the full House. Because if the memo truly is accurate, and we're presuming it is because we believe that. Because we've been saying that about, we've been talking about the allegations that the memo has been mentioning since well before these investigations began. The possibility of a FISA being used on Donald Trump was something that I think people in in the conspiracy circles, like that we kind of visit, if you're someone who knows my work, um, we kind of knew about this probably around election time. <laughs> so. Here we are, all these months later, and it's like, oh, Ma- D- Nunez discovered that the the FISA system is being abused, and they were spying on a presidential candidate. And there there are many of us who are just like, oh, finally, you're catching up. That's obviously what happened, and we need someone to investigate that. And that's what Nunez, it seems, is trying to do. So perhaps the memo is a big crock of lies based on nothing. And dorm based on something that taking out, taken out of context in such a way that is making everyone freak out, and it can't be released to the public. Now, I guess that would justify the FBI's response, but the only way we are going to know that is if it gets released to the public. So the only thing there is to do is release it to the public and allow us the opportunity to look at it and decide if Devin Nunes is a big fat liar or if the FBI did some things wrong and are trying to cover for themselves now. Uh, because if they're trying to cover it up for themselves, we shouldn't we shouldn't allow that. Uh, especially since our oversight committee, this is their task. Um, just before I started recording this, I think probably about 4.30-ish in the afternoon, Adam Schiff pulled a little tricky play, a very creative play, where he made us to-do about publishing the transcripts of the, the, the select committee's meeting on the release of the Republican memo, and in doing so implied that the Republicans did something unsavory or that the proceedings during the meeting itself were to be scrutinized. But if you actually read the 51 pages of transcript, the Republicans said nothing. It, It was really just Democratic filibuster for all 51 pages. And then the last page is a gem exchange where Adam Schiff specifically on record is trying to convince Devin Nunez of releasing the transcripts the next day immediately so that the world can see how the Republicans stifled debate when they just allowed Democrats to ramble on when it was clear that Democrats had a strategy of going in there and trying to amendment the hell out of the vote. And the Republican strategy was don't say anything, let them exhaust themselves and eventually we'll get the vote through and then we'll go home. And that's what happened. and And Schiff then went to the media, told the media that the Republicans did awful things in that meeting. The media repeated what Adam Schiff said, printed the transcript that was going to be released, that was released anyway, I mean, they got it from the official release. And now it's a scandal, I guess. But I, I sincerely recommend you go and take the time and read the transcript, because you'll get a good sense of how the that committee is operating right now. And you might get a sense of what's in the memos. Peter King gives a really good... um pitch for it, and I I hope that we get it soon so that we can look over it. Um, But until we do, it's hard to speculate too much on, on what's going to be in there. If you take a moment to go over to my blog, at www.saloftheearth.com. you'll find a blog post from today. Well, actually, from yesterday, late late, late last night, um, about how Donald Trump supporters need to start acting like supporters of the majority party, and about and about how we need to start acting like supporters of the sitting president. Uh, we've been pretty timid. And I think a lot of that has to do with the Russia scandal. I think a lot of it has to do with the hold that the mainstream media has over a lot of our friends and family, I guess. But in general, we've been really quiet and we've been bullied and we've been, we've been really marginalized. And we've allowed this false narrative of Trump supporters being uh, stupid, ignorant, racist, or angry, violent, uh i guess neanderthals to to permeate and to become reality and i don't think that's fair number one but i also don't think that's reality at all i I think that there's a good chance if we spoke up more we would find many more of us in the wild (laughs) i think that there's this real uh, what's it called the bradley effect i think it's the bradley effect Where we're afraid to say or voice our support for for Donald Trump. But then he goes out there and gives a speech like he gave yesterday. I remember, I mean, not just yesterday's speech. Remember the speech he gave in South Korea? It was an amazing speech by any president. It was an amazing speech. It was a speech that, that should have made all Americans proud of their elected representative. He went on a foreign trip and delivered something important and impactful that resonated with the people there and and was a message back home as well. It was great. Yet, you can't say these things, or you, you couldn't, and I think that it's time to change that. And I think we're right about to. I, I can sense in the last few days, even, a shift uh, in the online communities, in in the way that the both sides' news channels are covering information, um, perhaps we are at a point where the narrative is about to flip or the table is about to flip. But the only way it happens and the only way it's going to continue is if Donald Trump supporters voice their support and make it more known. And it's not just about a bumper sticker. It's not just about a hat. It's not just about a t-shirt. It's about the facts, and about truth, and about reality. And it's about addressing ugly truths that Democrats and, you know, the opposition are going to tell you are ridiculous when they're not. It's not ridiculous to want to see justice for Hillary Clinton. It's not about her emails. It's about the classified information she compromised. It's not about what Barack Obama may or may not where he may have, may or may not have been born. It's about who he is as a person and the type of and the type of presidency he ran. It's about his actions before he left. Did he spy on Donald Trump? It's not about whether or not Peter Strzok and Lisa Page didn't like Donald Trump. It's about what did they do in their handling of the Clinton investigation and how did that impact their handling of the Trump investigation. It's not just about whether or not Comey leaked to get a special counsel assigned. It's about whether or not he was working against the president in a malicious fashion. Was the higher-ups of the previous administration, in? were they engaged in an attempt to undermine our democracy by rigging an election for Hillary Clinton, and then ultimately a coup by trying to unseat the seat, the sitting president with a salacious lie that has continued on for far too long, And the entirety of the spy apparatus of America. And it's not crazy, and it's not a conspiracy theory to ask these questions, because to this day, there is way more evidence to support that line of questioning than to support the line of questioning that Donald Trump is a Russian plant. And it, it all goes back to the original evidence of the Russia collusion narrative in the first place, which is, did Russia interfere with our elections? We have no proof that they did it all we have no proof that they interfered at all we have reports from biased agencies who have been engaged in corruption and crimes against American people for decades and who have every reason to cover for themselves when a new administration is coming in so yeah that's we got to speak up more for sure So, I want to thank you for tuning in to the third episode of the Sal of the Earth podcast. It means a lot to me, for all of you out there, that you take the time and, and listen. I think that's wonderful. If, you, if you're if you listening right now, I hope you know that I, I, write, I write poetry and political takes on my blog, www.saloftheearth.com. If you just mosey over there, you'll see my blog tab, which takes you to my blog posts, and my poetry tab, which is the homepage, and there's all a whole bunch of stuff on there. And I hope you check it out. As for what's going on this week, what we have to look forward to, I think that the memo will release probably in the next 24 hours. If not, perhaps they'll wait till Friday to news dump it. If not, maybe I'm right and Trump won't release it at all. And the House will have to vote on it, which will extend the process a little longer. But I think ultimately it might be a a pretty savvy political move by Trump if he decided to do that. Um, Ultimately, we don't know what's in it, and we don't know if it's true or not, and we won't know until we see it, but once we see it, we can be sure we're going to have a lot to talk about. We didn't even get to the fact that Andrew McCabe was fired, or resigned, or was demoted, or something the other day. We didn't even get to the fact that uh, America is uh, just doing really well, and we had sex trafficking busts today, we've had a huge train crash involving... GOP congressman today, and the possibility that Bill Kristol knew about it ahead of time. There's just so many crazy things happening right now, and it's a great time to be alive in America. And I hope if you're a Democrat and you happen to ever listen to this, and you think that I'm some sort of unhinged conservative, just know I'm an unregistered, unaffiliated, eligible voter. You can win my vote uh, by 2018 if you try. I'm not someone who's stuck behind Trump. I like Trump a lot. I think he's done a great job and I don't regret my vote at all, but I respect you as an American citizen. I hope you respect me. And the most important thing in my mind is that we can all move on from the 2016 election and get the truth about everything that happened, including how Hillary Clinton was allowed to rig a presidential primary and then be exonerated from an obvious criminal offense and then run for president, and lose to a reality TV show host. I hope we find out all the answers behind that. I hope we also find out all the answers behind the Russian collusion investigation. I'm pretty sure those answers are going to be very disappointing for Democrats, but I I want those answers nonetheless. I just ultimately want to say to everyone in the world who might be listening or probably will never hear this ever, that I respect you, and I love you, and this isn't, politics isn't something that citizens should hate each other over, it's something that we should discuss so that we can govern our country better, and that we could better tell our representatives how we want the country run. And in my opinion, I think Donald Trump did a good job of that yesterday at a State of the Union speech. I think the Democrats embarrassed themselves, but I think that's just kind of par for the course for them at this point. And I think that ultimately we'll be better off in the long run, especially once we arrest Probably at least a third of our government. And I'm not even being sarcastic. Anyway, until next time, I'm going to try to post these blogs maybe twice, or these, not blogs, these podcasts probably twice a week. I'm going to try to get one out on Sunday. I'm going to try to start recording some poetry for you guys so you can tune in and listen to poetry maybe on Wednesdays or middle of the week at some point. And then I'm still going to write on my blog, so please check in there. I have more on the way, i got a poem coming out soon, and uh, I hope that you guys like my content, and if you do like my content, I hope you decide to follow me on all my various platforms. I don't have a Patreon, I don't do stuff like that, I'm not popular enough, and I don't think I would want to, even if I were. I just really appreciate the reassurance and validation from other people. So, I don't know what that says about me. But thank you for listening, nonetheless, and I hope you have a good night. Uh, This has been Sal Biazzi, with Sal, the Earth Podcast, signing out. Go MAGA tomorrow. That's not a good catchphrase. Goodbye.